Well, it is a great privilege to be with you here this morning. I always say that, but it's always true. (laughs) It's a privilege to open the Word of God. Whenever I... uh, I'm getting to an age where I never know if I'll be back to a church again. And uh, there's a message that I feel like is really important for us. Uh, that I want to give to you. Um, I know <clears throat> some of you have, have said that you've heard me on the internet, and maybe if you've heard this message, then God very much intends for you to hear it again. <laughs> but I want I want to talk to you this morning out of First Peter chapter five. So if you have your Bible with you, First Peter chapter five. <clears throat> And we'll be reading verses 8 to 11. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. But resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. And after you have suffered for a little, the God of all grace who called you to His eternal glory in Christ will Himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To Him be dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. We're going to be looking particularly at verse 8. Be of sober spirit, be on the alert, Your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So, the Christian's adversary, the devil. According to the Bible, if you're a Christian, you're in a warfare this morning. You may not want to be in one, but you are in one. By virtue of the fact that you are a Christian. It's not a physical warfare, it's a spiritual warfare. It's an invisible warfare. And uh, the weapons are not flesh and blood weapons, but the weapons are spiritual weapons. The Bible, it's, it's a real warfare. The Bible even describes our armor. And so God is teaching us something. He, it just like uh, if we were involved in physical warfare, Um, we'd be taking that seriously. Well, God is telling us something about this in the spiritual realm. Uh, There is a warfare. There are casualties. It's a life and death situation. Uh, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. So Satan is not trying to just trip you up a little bit. He wants to destroy you. The roaring lion wants to devour you. And so it's a serious deal. And um, that's why it's so important that we understand and know the Word of God. The Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. And according to Psalm 119, it makes us wiser than our enemies. And so we can be wiser than our enemy through the Word of God and how thankful we can be for it. The Word of God gives us insight into what's happening in the invisible realm. And um, without that, we, we're blind in the, in, as far as the invisible things are concerned. I heard a story of a... I think this is a true story. A uh, pastor gave an illustration. He had the husbands and wives... They gave them all a rolled up newspaper and they squared them off with each other, blindfolded them, and then they took the blindfolds off the wives. And so you know who won that. (laughs) But do you realize what the that's what the word of God does. It takes the blindfolds off and gives us insight into what's going on. And even then, for myself, I found even then, I I tend to not think in terms of the invisible, of what's happening. We think in terms of flesh and blood. We think in terms of 
our own sin problems and so on. But there's more to it than that. So today I'd like for us to consider three designations of our enemy that are given here in uh, verse 8. And the first one is adversary. And that is probably the most basic designation in all the Word of God. I don't say it's the most important, but it's the most basic. Our adversary. Our adversary, the devil. <clears throat> and if I were to ask you the Greek word for adversary, I don't think very many of you would know it. But if I ask you the Hebrew word, now this is amazing, you're all Hebrew scholars, you would know because the word adversary is just the word Satan. So every time a Jew said the word Satan, he's saying the word adversary. Satan, has be, it's become a name, like it's the, he's the adversary. But the words actually used, it's just the word for adversary, it's a word that God, God even uses it concerning himself. When Balaam was going out there, you know, the angel of the Lord said, I have come as a Satan against you, an adversary against you. So that's just the word. The word Satan is just the word adversary. Well, that's kind of amazing, isn't it? Every time you say the word Satan, you're saying adversary. What, what's God teaching us? He's teaching us that there's more to the Christian life than just our own internal sin problem. And there's more to the Christian life than them or they or that situation or that circumstance. We have an objective enemy on the outside of us who does not want us to live the Christian life. There's objective outside of us, opposition. Satan hates the sight of you. He hates to see a smile on your face. He hates to see you victorious. And even, now think about this. If you had no sin whatsoever of your own, I mean, you were completely sanctified, completely like you'll be one day in the presence of the Lord, you would still face mighty opposition to living the Christian life from the outside. How do I know that? Because the Lord Jesus had no sin whatsoever and nobody faced so much opposition as he faced. Well, right. so you see how real this is. There's more to it than just you dealing with your problems or you dealing with other people's problems. There's opposition against you living the Christian life. And that's, that's what we learn from this simple term adversary. We have an opponent standing against us. So, we think of the Lord Jesus. Here He has no sin. He's out there in the desert. It says the tempter came to Him and said. And then He's in the garden. You know, the, the night of His betrayal, He says, this hour belongs to you in the powers of darkness. So there's an opposition. There was a, and when He was on the cross, Remember, they're gathering around. If you read all the different accounts, they're saying, come down from the cross. Come down. And it's, it was like a chorus. I wonder if they were chanting it. I mean, it says people passing by. Everybody's saying, come down, come down, come down. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. And the only thing that held him there was his love for God and for us. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Well, we have an objective opponent. And it struck me in a fresh way recently. Paul just volunteered. He just volunteered this. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. I mean, the Apostle Paul was experiencing some of this reality to the point that he just volunteered this. We wrestle against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in heavenly places. Spiritual forces of wickedness. And uh, it says in Revelation 2.10 that the, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison. Well, what's that mean? It doesn't mean that the devil himself comes and throws people in jail. It means that these men that are putting these Christians in prison are ultimately 
a result of the devil. The devil put them in prison. And so we got to start thinking in these terms. Like we we have a, a dear college girl. We think that we think she's gone to be with the Lord now. Probably martyred there in China. The last we heard from her was four years ago when they had her in a re-education center. They they tortured her. Anyway, you don't look at that and you say, well, the Chinese communists put. Christina in prison. No, the devil put her in prison because he hated her, and he, we have an opponent. We have we have a, we have an adversary. So this very simple, basic teaching. Yet we need to be reminded of it. As I said, we tend to go to extremes. You go to seed on this, or you go the other way, and you basically kind of forget about it. And you have things happening in your life that really need to be understood in those terms. For example, the Lord's walking along with Peter and um, he's talking about the cross and Peter says, oh Lord, that far be it from you. That's... And he said, get behind me, adversary. See, he realized that sometimes even through our loved ones, the adversary can be trying to discourage you or stop you in some way from following the Lord. So, it's a realization. Um, If you ever wanted to blame circumstances, you could blame, when Peter denied the Lord, you could blame the circumstances. I mean, it was scary. They were out there at night and the mob comes with torches in the dark. And you say, well, Peter just yielded to fear. Well, it wasn't that. Jesus said, Simon, Simon, the adversary has desired to have you. So was there something going on more? The devil wanted to take out the ringleader. At at the beginning, he wanted to take Peter out, and he would have, except I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when you turn again, you'll be able to help these other men. So, just... uh, just remembering what's going on. Uh, right here in this passage in 1 Peter 5, uh, Peter says that uh, uh, suffering can be, you know, the devil will use that as an opportunity to try to get you to doubt God and so on. But verse 9, he says, Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. I'm using the New American Standard translation here. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, suffering can be an, an occasion for it. There's many different things that uh, the adversary uses. Now I want to say a little bit more about this. Many a new Christian has had their mind bombarded as soon as they became a Christian with things that they never had. They never doubted God in their life. Some of you know of Tim Conway. Tim talk, He said he never doubted God until he was converted and he was attacked. My, it was the same way with me. I can remember walking out in the woods not long after I had become a Christian. And man, I was hit with this thing of how do you know the Hindus aren't right and all this stuff that I had never thought of before. The devil hits new Christians, and sometimes like John Bunyan, hit with blasphemous thoughts, things he had to put his hand over his mouth. And the devil tries to get the new believer to think that that stuff's coming from within him. It's not. It's, a, it's an objective enemy from the outside doing that. Uh, <clears throat> many, a, many a godly, mature Christian has been hit and not realized it at first. J.O. Frazier was a missionary to China, and he got over there, a very godly man, and he said it was like he had this damp black cloud over him all the time. And he, he thought, well, maybe it's the food, and maybe it's the climate, and maybe it's the loneliness. And all. finally he realized, wait a minute, there's opposition to me being here. And he went out under the open sky and started quoting verses in prayer 
And pretty soon that cloud begins to lift, and lo and behold, God's there after all, isn't He? And the sun's shining. Many times it's that way in prayer meeting. You know, you've got an opponent, and the devil's telling you it's not going to do any good. God seems like He's about this big. And when you get in there and you start praying, and after a while, the sky begins to open up, and you realize God really is real. And I've had an opponent not wanting me to pray. So it's just helpful. Hudson Taylor, a godly man there with the Chinese mission um, back in the 1800s, I was amazed to read again in the second volume of his life. There's a big two-volume set. In the second volume... While he was over there in China, he's having thoughts of suicide. Hudson Taylor. Now where in the world is that coming from? Well, it's coming from the fact that he he was in charge of 1,200 missionaries is where it's coming from. And the devil hates that. He hates it. Duncan Campbell, who was used mightily in the Hebrides revival in 1949, He went through a period of three months of great darkness during the revival. All he could do was weep all day long. And the only time it lifted was when he got in the pulpit. And so, what's going on? God's allowing, he's allowing the devil to hit this man, partly so he won't be lifted up with pride. But these these are... uh, so many accounts of this. So we need to be aware of this kind of thing. Uh, we have an adversary. We have remaining sin. We've got to deal with that. We don't blame everything on the devil. And we have interpersonal relationships we've got to deal with. But we've got to remember we've got an adversary. That's very simple, isn't it? But we forget that. This next one is by far the most important, that is the devil. This adversary is the devil. Why is that so important? Well, because it is the name that is used the most frequently, but because of the meaning, it tells us so much about his working. And in order to see that, we have to know what, what the term devil means, diablos. What does that mean? It's almost brought over, like in Spanish, it's almost brought over directly. We have the word devil. The word devil doesn't mean anything in English, you know, as far as the meaning of the word. You think of the conjure up this picture, we have red devil paintbrushes and what have you. And Satan himself wants, wants us to think like that. But what does the word diablos mean? Is it, this one... If I ever come back, I've got to ask you this question. You've got to learn this one. What's Diablos mean? Does anybody know? It's just another It's another word like Satan. It has a meaning in the Greek. Usually people, a lot of times people will say accuser. But the word Diablos really means slanderer. Slanderer. And it's the same word. Paul talks about the older women. And he says they're not to be devils. They're not to be slanderers. Now, King James says slanderers. The New American Standard says malicious gossips. But slander, what is slander? Well, there, usually there's a little bit of truth in it, but it's, it's intended to give a twisted view of the other person that's being slandered. Now, you slander persons. Okay? And every time you read the word devil, now the, the King James has devil sometimes for demons, but I don't know is I don't know what all, what you all use here, or, or are there differences? But does everybody devil. what devil? It, it's translated devils for demons, or the de, a lot of times when when it says devils plural, that's the word demon. So it's a little different word. But when you read the devil, that's the word diablos, that's slanderer. 
So every time you read the word devil, you put in the word slanderer. And it helps you a lot to know because, you know, if you if if you say he went out he was driven out in the desert to be tempted by the slanderer. Now what's that tell you right off about what he's gonna be doing, what he's gonna be saying to you? He's going to be slandering. And it, uh, uh, again, this is so helpful. And whenever I first studied this years ago, I thought, well, you know, he slanders us to each other. And that's what I was thinking in terms of. And I got to looking into it. No, he slanders constantly all the time. That's all he does is slander. And the biggest thing he does, the first thing he did, is slander God to man. Yeah. He slanders God to man. Now, we see it when His first appearance in the Bible. Did God say you're not supposed to eat all that? He knows you will not surely die. God's a liar. He knows that if you eat that, you'll be like God. You'll miss out on something good. He's holding out on you. He doesn't want the best for you. He's holding out for you. If you disobey Him, you'll get something good. Now all of that is slandering God to man. Slanders God to man. And um, it's a big thing. I mean, if you're not a Christian here today, He's slandering God to you right now. He's saying you don't want to be a you don't want to be a Christian. It'll ruin your life to be a Christian. And he's slandering God in different ways uh, uh, related to every area. I mean, you, you go one side or go the other side. He'll slander God to you and say, well, what kind of God would put people in hell? There's, there can't be any hell. You know, every, every direction you turn, He'll tell you to wait till tomorrow. That type of thing. You know, or I'll twist it the other way. You know, God's gracious. You know, it, uh, wait till tomorrow. Wait till uh, a better time. It happens constantly. If you're a single person, here's a single Christian. And they're praying to say, Lord... I want to put my marriage in your hands. I want you to choose. The person, if I'm supposed to get married, I want you to choose the person. I put it in your hands. You know what You know what the devil's saying to them? Don't do that. Yeah. You, God give you the ugliest girl. You, could, <laughs> you can't put that. A.W. Tozer was selling, he was preaching one time. And he, he said, he, he had a little daughter, he said, I, he told the congregation, he said, I put my daughter in the hands of God to do whatever he wants with her. And a woman came up after the service, she said, aren't you afraid to do that? <laughs> now think of what that's saying. That's right. What's that saying about our Heavenly Father? Yeah, that's right. And beloved, he's lying to us like that and slandering God to us all the time. If you go, it's an evil land. If you go into that land, it'll eat you alive. And your children are going to be destroyed. If you follow God, this got it, you, you're going to you're going to lose your children. Slandering God to man. People have this idea of finding God's will. You know, oh, I'm trying to find God's will. And they've got the idea in their head. You know, you come to the master and you say, as you as a servant, you say, Master, I'm willing to do whatever you want. I want, and he stands there and says, I'm not going to tell you. You see if you can find it. See if you can find my will. And if you don't find it, I'm going to beat you. <laughs> is that I mean have you not encountered that have you not have you not faced that or people have the idea Christians he slanders God it's the idea of God's in heaven holding a big club and waiting for you to slip up in some way so he can just smash you as, a, as his child 
Those are slanders. Well, Satan will even slander God to us while we're reading the Bible. You know, that poor man went out and picked up sticks on the Sabbath. I mean, he just needed some sticks. And God says, put him to death. The devil, devil says, what kind of God do you have? Well, you got to read the rest of the Bible. David goes in there and they eat the showbread that was meant only for the priest. God didn't do anything. What was the deal with that man picking up sticks on the Sabbath? He goes out in front of the whole congregation and he says, I'm going to pick up sticks if I want to. There was a whole lot more there than some poor innocent guy. And you see, he'll slander God to us as we're reading the Bible. The Lord addressed this in Luke 11. He says, which of you fathers, if your child asks you for a fish, you say here and you slip him a snake. Or he asks you for a loaf of bread and you give him a stone, say here, break your teeth on this. Or he asks you for an egg and you say, you know, close your eyes and hold out your hand and you slip a scorpion into his hand. Now why, why did Jesus say all that? because he knew that the slanderer was going to be telling you that that's what God is like. And he wanted us to realize what a lie that is. That's a slander of God. Okay. He slanders God to man. He slanders man to God. He slanders man to God. Now we see this in Job. Uh, very clearly in Job 1. I'm going to turn back there. Um, God is bragging on Job. And uh, He says in verse 8 of chapter 1, The Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. Then Satan, the adversary, answered the Lord, Does Job fear God for nothing? Hast thou not made a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But put forth thy hand now and touch all that he has. He'll surely curse thee to thy face. Job's just serving you for what he can get out of you. He's slandering Job to God. And in chapter 2, verses 3 to 6, the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There's no one like him on earth, blameless and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. And he still holds fast his integrity, although you incited me against him to ruin him without cause. And Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yes, all that a man has, he will give for his life. However, put forth thy hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, he'll curse thee to thy face. So the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your power. Only spare his life. So, um, you have, parallel to this, you have a passage in Revelation where it says, The devil who accuses the brethren night and day before God. Now this is a strange thing, isn't it? He's like he's 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 looking. He said, "Look at look at." He's saying to God, "Did look at what she did." Every time a Christian or uh, a, a, a child of God does some sin, he's there to accuse and to point it out and to glory in it. It's amazing. It ought to make us not want to sin just from that fact. But here he is with Job. There wasn't anything Job had done wrong. And God's bragging on him, and the devil, the slanderer, says, he's just serving you for what he can get out of you. Well, he proved him wrong the first time. The second time he says, well, yeah, but you haven't touched his body yet. And so God says, okay, but don't kill him. Now this is amazing. God knew it was a lie, 
He knew it was a slander. Why did he let the devil provoke him to do that? He said, you provoke me to do that without reason. Why did he do that? Well, biggest thing is to get glory out of Job's life. And that's what a test is. I'm sorry. A test, <clears throat> it's, it's a, the same word as trial. A trial, you say, I'm going through a trial right now. We'll change it just a little bit. And picture a student sitting there at the desk. I'm taking a test right now. And a lot of the problem is, is we don't realize it when we're taking a test. Job didn't realize that God was bragging on him when all this was happening. He felt the exact opposite. He says he sets me up as his target. He splits my kidneys open. He runs after me and runs at me with breach after breach. That's the way he felt. He felt like God was against him. Meanwhile, God's bragging on him and putting him through a test, a trial. Same word. So God does it to get glory, and He got glory out of Job, even though Job didn't do too well sometimes. By and large, He did. In fact, He said, look, He still holds fast His integrity. And He also did it to do good for Job Himself. And we see that at the end. And God uses these things to perfect us and to cause us to grow. Well, I won't try to spend any more time on that right now. <clears throat> but um, he slanders. There's, there are other verses. Um, he slanders God to man. He slanders man to God. All he, he does, he slanders all the time. He slanders man to man. Slanders us to each other. And this was the thing that got me started even studying this subject years ago. <clears throat> but what a tactic this is. If you're going out against an enemy, what would give you more glee than to have your enemy start fighting himself? I mean, that, that, that's quite a tactic. Uh, that's what happened with Gideon going out with 300 men against 135,000. <clears> 300 against 135,000. That's a, a 1 to 450 ratio. If I'm, if I'm in a dark alley and I see five guys coming at me, I don't feel very good. But if I saw 450, <laughs> that's the situation they were in. So how do, how do 300 men defeat 135,000? Well, of course, it was supernatural, but what God had them do was blow those trumpets. They had, their, they had torches in the pitcher, and they broke that, and all of a sudden these torches flare up in the night, and 300 men blow the trumpet, and they say, man, if they got 300 men blowing the trumpet, there must be a million men around us. <laughs> and those guys, and what, the, way, the way God did it was He turned 67,500 against 67,500, and they were equal odds. And they killed each other. But isn't this something? That is what the slanderer, he will try to do that right here in this place. Beloved, he will. He will try. He hates the sight of Christians that are loving one another and in unity. And he will slander you to one another and try to get you. And you've got to, you've got to get this down. No Christian, no Christian is your enemy. You have got a common enemy. Both of you have got a common enemy. And his name is the adversary or the slanderer. And these things are slanders. You've got to remember they're slanders. <clears throat> 99% of the time, the things he's bringing into your mind aren't even true. <clears throat> one, one godly Christian couple told me uh, somehow the devil was trying to drive a wedge between them, and she, 
she said it got to the point she they were sitting at the breakfast table and the toast popped up and she had the thought in her mind look at him he knows that toast popped up and he he wants me to get up and get it you know it's it's that it's that it's that bad look at her what she didn't even greet me I wonder what's going on with her and the next week she's got some burden or he's got some burden that he's thinking about and he doesn't greet you the way he normally would and you think yep I thought that there's something going on he's mad and you begin to have these slanderous thoughts they're lies they're slanders when uh, my uh, fellow pastor uh, Dick uh, who was uh, pastored with me for over 40 years when he and I first came to the town that we live in now God saved some students uh, some college students that was the beginning of the work that later became a church and the devil did everything he could to divide us I mean, we painted a farm one summer, lived in a little uh, camper trailer thing that was so small you had to spit your toothpaste outside <laughs> and move out of the way so the other guy... So God stuck us in there together and the Lord, of course, is in control of all of this. But we're have, the devil is slandering us to each other. We, he's over, we were painting a farm in Iowa and he's over on one side painting the one side of a barn and I'm on the other side of the farm painting some other building and you know every brush stroke you're having these thoughts realize we have an opponent who does not want us to serve the Lord and he's slandering his number one work is to slander it's so simple Every time you read the word devil, Diablos, you're reading the word slanderer. So the lake of fire prepared for the slanderer and his angels. As soon as you feel any bitterness coming in, realize realize that it's the slanderer and realize we must talk to one another. And a lot of times... It doesn't take five minutes of talking before the walls started to break down. We had a, a sister in uh, the church many years ago when my, my kids were little. She was taking pictures of uh, uh, the families, the various families after the meeting. And my kids were sick and we took out so we got home and uh, she didn't get our picture and we got home and and I got a call she said I've, I've just got to know this did you did you all leave just to keep me from taking your picture and I said absolutely not and I explained it now she knew enough to do the right thing Amen. isn't that amazing so simple but it's big and if she hadn't done that, that would have festered there and then maybe next week I didn't greet her properly or something or I said made some comment that could be taken. I'll tell you what, I've seen these things twisted around to where you cannot believe it. Amen. Supernaturally twisted by the devil. Amen. Where something that is meant this way with some little subtle way he can get that thing twisted around to where it means the opposite. When you, you know, it says in Proverbs 16, a slanderer separates intimate friends. That's what he's trying to do. And when you see two Christians in the opposite side of the ring, and they're both wanting to follow God, and they're both exasperated with each other, and they can't believe that the other person would say such and such and so on, you know, in the words of Jesus, an enemy has done this. That's what's going on. I had uh, uh, one pastor told me, he said someone had talked to him <clears throat> about me. 
And uh, he said, I, that guy said this, and you said this, and one of you has to be lying, is what the fellow said. One of you got to be lying. And I said, well, I know he wouldn't lie. <laughs> I, don't, I know he's a good guy. I know he wouldn't lie. But there's another possibility, and that is the slanderer twisting the thing around, and neither one of you really understood what the other one was saying. You think of gossip. Don't listen to it. Somebody got it from somebody who got it from somebody. And I've had situations where I said, have you talked to them about that? No. Well, if you don't talk to them about it, I'm going to tell them right, you know, I'll, I'll go talk to them and tell them what you're saying, and then you can talk to them. <laughs> You've got to get this thing out. Someone said all the devil has to do to ruin someone's reputation is start a couple rumors, and Christians will take it from there. <laughs> That ought not to be ever. Amen. Amen. You know, this thing of slandering man to man, he slanders on the on the horizontal level. You know, we have this coming down, slanders God to man, slanders man to God, slanders man to man. On this horizontal level, he also slanders Christians to the world. Let me just give you some examples. The early Christians were called cannibals because they talked about eating the body and blood. They were called atheists because they didn't worship the gods, the Roman gods. Those people are atheists. They were called subversive, in other words, not loyal citizens because they wouldn't burn incense to the emperor. Antisocial, most of the Roman holidays were all religious. They couldn't participate. Those people are antisocial. Anti-family. You know, he that loves father and mother more than me and so on. <laughs> Accused of incest. Brothers and sisters and love one another and so on. Now think of that. These slander these these athe- these atheistic, antisocial, vile Christians. All a bunch of slanders and lies. Okay, so one more. He slanders us to ourselves. How does that work? Well, you're you're on the way to the prayer meeting. And he said, Oh, you're going to the prayer meeting now. You got upset with the children again, didn't you? Now you're gonna to go to the prayer meeting, you hypocrite. You're never going to have victory. You're a hypocrite. You're a, you're a failure. You might as well throw in the towel. Just give up. You ever heard anything like that? He slanders us to ourselves. And some people really have, they really struggle with it. And once the door gets open, he will do that. He'll, he'll ride that thing. If there's any area of your life where there's a little chink in the armor until that gets closed off he will press that to the limit and tell you and slandering you to yourself he'll try to make you feel like you've never had a victory in your life and um, blind you to all the things that God has done to show you that he's with you what do you do you answer with scripture he says, look how many times you failed. You're not a Christian. Well, the Bible says the righteous man falls seven times and rises again. Though he falls, he'll not be hurled headlong, for the Lord is the one who holds his hand. How about this? Do not rejoice over me, O my enemy. Though I fall, I will rise. Though I dwell in darkness, the Lord is a light for me. How about this? If you were pleasing to God, you'd you'd sense the Lord's presence more than you do. Well, Isaiah 50.10, Who is among you that fears the Lord, that obeys the voice of His servant, that walks in darkness and has no light? It's possible. You're going through a dark time even though you're obeying God. He says, Let him...
trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon His God. That's the thing to do. Okay, last one. We're coming out just about right here. Last one, Roaring Lion. Think of, do you realize how much God is saying to us in this one verse? We have an adversary. We have an objective, real opponent from the outside, and his number one tactic is to slander, and he's a roaring lion. If you talk about, the, if we had time to look at the various things the Bible teaches about our, our adversary, his names fall into two categories. Some of them have to do with his character, uh, the way he is, and others have to do with his power. Um, so, in terms of character, the Bible talks about he's like a he's the father of lies. He's a serpent, you know, more subtle. Um, Revelation 12:9 calls him the serpent of old, who's called the devil and Satan. There's those two words. Deceives the whole world. So those names have to do with his character <clears throat> and his nature. But some names have to do with his power. The god of this world, the great red dragon that whose tail sweeps a third of the stars of heaven. That's powerful. God of a whole world. But the name Roaring Lion speaks of both. It speaks of his nature, his character, and of his power. So lions, they're fierce. They're merciless. They're bloodthirsty. That's telling you what he's like. I mean, uh, sometimes it is staggering. It's shocking the amount of evil and how bad, he, how evil he really is. Some of the things that happen in this world. You watch the National Geographic special and lions and what they do, it is not pretty. So his character, he's merciless, he's bloodthirsty, but his power, he's the king of beasts, most powerful. So God gives us this picture of a, of a bloodthirsty, powerful being, a lion. And what are we? Sheep. Isn't it amazing? It's not. It is not that God looked around and thought, "What what animal lives in Palestine and in the in the in this area that I could use as an example for the devil? What, what and what animal could I use as an example for believers?" That isn't the way it is. Back in eternity past, he "What animal could I create that, that I could use?" To illustrate the devil, what animal could I create and have living in the land that I could illustrate believers? And so he created sheep and lion. Uh, They said that ought to get the point across. You have a lion out here, bloodthirsty lion, and here's this room full of sheep and we send one sheep out. What's he saying to us? He's saying... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into that and is safe. You have no ability or strength whatsoever in yourself. None. But greater is He who is in you than he who is in the world. How much greater? Infinitely greater. And sometimes it's good when you... Go through those verses. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Put some of the words in. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against dethroned principalities and defeated powers. Because they are. One last verse. James 4-7. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. So what do you do when you find yourself in these situations? First thing you do is submit yourself to God. Go down on your knees and say yes to the Lord. If there's anything you're holding on to or anything 
whatsoever. Just say yes, yes. I say yes, Lord. Submit to God. And as soon as you flatten yourself before God, immediately you have authority. Then you rise up and resist the devil. And so you take the stand on the fact you're, you're submitted to God. You're under His authority. You take a stand on that and you resist the devil and he will flee from you, not brother so-and-so who's some spiritual giant, but he'll flee from you. He'll flee from me. I don't have to think of somebody out there that he'll flee from. He'll flee from any, any, the weakest saint, the weakest believer shall win the day though death and hell obstruct the way. That's the reality of that promise. Okay, so that's a Sunday school lesson. And because it's a lesson, you're going to be tested on it. <laughs> you'll be tested in real life, which is a lot, a lot more important than me. But I hope if I ever came back here and I said, what's the word diablos mean? That you'd say slander because it's telling you a whole lot. Telling you a whole lot. And it's, it's telling you what, how he's going to attack you personally and how he's going to attack this body of believers. You better believe Satan hates the sight of this group. There's too much love here. There's too much unity here. There's too much grace. There's too many miracles that have happened here in lives. But infinitely greater is He who is in you than He who is in the world. But He's given us His Word to make us wiser than our enemies. We've got to listen to it. Amen.